Who had fun at the wedding last night? I was proud of our Anchor Point crew. I think all of us danced. With the exception of one person who will remain unnamed. But um, it's okay. We know who they are. Uh, interestingly enough, when we were praying earlier, I had this picture of uh, the dance floor, which for us white folks can often be vacant. And, um, and uh, I was just picturing, we were talking about, I can't remember what we were praying about, um, running into God's arms. It was like he was on the dance floor, like, guys, come on, come dance. And we were kind of like, well, I don't know how to, I'm white, I don't know how to dance. Um, and slowly, just like last night, slowly the dance floor began to fill up. And I just think that's kind of what's happening here. We're slowly learning to trust God. We're slowly learning to have faith and step out even on the dance floor with Him. Um, because He does want to enjoy life with us and have fun. And so I just, I, I pray that's one of the, the uh, testimonies that we have is, is more fun with God. Uh, today, guys, interestingly, I, I felt pretty strongly to, to share. It's almost like more of like a, just a prophetic word than a, than a teaching. Um, so I hope that's okay with you. Um, and I wanted to actually give you guys a couple updates and things that I want to actually ask you guys to pray with us for. Uh, and these are kind of more personal. And I don't really like doing this where it's like I'm, I'm not trying to use this platform to just talk about myself. But this does affect um, our community. And I just wanted to keep you guys up to date on a couple things. Is that okay? Okay. Um, the first thing is this week I'm going to be heading to Montreal um, with seven other pastors from uh, Ontario and three from Fredericton. Um, and the purpose of our meeting is just to pray. So we all pastor churches in, in and around Canada, and we really want to see God move. We want to see his kingdom come in Canada as it is in heaven. And uh, a lot of these relationships are built on previous relationships with people from Christ Central. So maybe some of you guys remember Joe Crummy or would know Steve Best or Fred Herb, um, a couple names, some OGs, but they're going to be there, as well as a pastor from Ottawa and then someone from Newfoundland, I believe. So I've never met a Newfie before, so that'll be fun. Um, but I, I, wanna, I want to say that we as a church, we long to not be an independent little community. We want to be connected. We don't want to just be on our own thinking we know how to do everything. And so one of the things I want you guys to pray for is that God would begin to knit us together with, with other people. Um, and that, uh, that God would speak to us, that he would refresh us and give us fresh vision as we lead churches in and around Canada. Uh, so please pray for that. So that, that's Tuesday to Friday. Pray for my family as I won't be there. And um, yeah, just that I will have, we'll have a good time connecting in Montreal. Yeah? It's good. That's an answer to prayer. Um, and then another really cool thing, Jess and I got invited to a, a retreat in Denver in a couple weeks. And this retreat is uh, at, a, at a ranch in, in Colorado. And um, we, I, I applied on a whim. You had to write an essay. And essentially what it is is, hey, are you a pastor? Are you married to, to your wife? Come, we want to hang out with you and encourage you. That's the only agenda. And uh, it's a pastor I really respect. And I was like, oh, I'll apply. Not thinking I'll get in. We got in kind of last minute. And so we're, we scrambled. We bought some tickets. Um, and we're going to go. So we're really excited for that. But that being said, we want to we want to just pray for safe travel and for um, just everything at the borders to go smoothly and that there wouldn't be any drama and that we would uh, come away with some renewed capacity and some fresh vision for how to love and serve you guys better, because that's really why we're going. We want to love you and serve you well. We want to be good pastors and um, 
We also are asking, this is just something we're asking for. We're asking that we'll meet one other couple that we will stay lifelong friends with. Okay? So in Denver, pray for the border that it would all go well. One lifelong friend for Jess and I, and maybe even that would spill into the rest of our community. Renewed capacity, fresh vision. And then with the guys in Canada, just that God would begin to do what he wants to do there. It could be nothing, it could be something, and we just want to trust him with that. Cool? Cool. Um, another thing, uh, this week we had the privilege of having Roger and Cheryl by with us. Does anyone remember them? British people, great people. Um, they have been friends of ours from around, anyways, for about eight years. And so they lead a church in the UK and they're a part of the apostolic team for Christ Central, which is a network of churches. And uh, yeah, they came, to, they came in Monday night and just spent some time with us. And that's been, I remember... Um, yeah, anyways, it's been a great time just being with them. And they are, in a lot of ways, like a mother and father figure for our community. So they, they came in, they just checked in on how we were doing, what's going on, how are you guys doing as a family, how's the church doing? And the highlight for me was, um, I was actually supposed to meet with Jonathan Burnett, and Roger came along, and John bailed. Um, but I mean, he was getting married this week, understandably. And we ended up just spending the hour, or hour and a half, in the prayer room together. And so we were just praying. And as we were praying, Roger had this picture um, that I'm going to share that I really feel like is from God. And it kind of just, it it spilled out into the rest of our time here. And into we actually had a meal with elders and wives that that evening. We prayed into it for about an hour and it just felt like there's something to it here, you know. So it was cool that God, even in the midst of that, like a normal, we were supposed to just go have coffee with Jonathan. It's going to kind of give him some feedback on how he led worship. And then that didn't happen, but he provided this, this beautiful moment. Um, just to pray and just to hear from him. And so uh, just a little plug for the prayer room. Some cool things happen in there. So this is the picture. I'm going to try to do as best as I can. Um, He has a beautiful British accent, so it won't be as eloquent or nice as as his telling of it. But essentially it was this. He said, I I feel like you guys are in this in-between space of moving from living with roadmaps to learning how to navigate with sea charts. And does anyone, I mean, I've never been on C or read a C chart before. I have, some of you have. Yeah, okay. Let's teach me after this how to do it. But what he, what he went on to say is that with roadmaps, things can become very easily prescribed. Like, you know where you're going. You, you don't drive off the road. You just keep going. You turn where it, tends, where it tells you where to turn. Things are very straightforward. Just follow the road, basically, is, is the way that you live life with a roadmap. And there's, there's this sense of, of safety in the car. You're not getting hit with, by the elements for the most part. And um, especially now in our day and age of GPS, it takes the adventure out of life. You just turn where it tells you to turn. You know, anyone else just use the GPS for everything. You don't even have to think about it. And so he was saying, I feel like that's kind of how you guys have lived as a community. And God is inviting you to live with sea charts instead. And I confess, guys, I am a roadmap type of person. I'm like, tell me how to get there. I Google map everything. And so I, maybe this is just for me, but I think it's for our community that, that there's this invitation where God is inviting us into deeper waters. Um, where for the most part, it's, it's kind of we get to choose how we're going to get to where we want to go as long as we can navigate and avoid shipwrecks, rocks, uh, we can avoid going into shallow areas. But essentially what he, he was saying is, I, I, I feel like God is asking you guys to set a course and to catch the wind of God's spirit and see where he takes you. 
So the questions become, where is the deep water? Where is the spirit leading us? What is the spirit saying? And how do we learn to navigate together to get to the place where God is calling us to go? This way of living is inherently more risky, right? Does anyone else hear that? You're like, okay, that's riskier than driving in a car and following a GPS. But there is this whole process of, of learning to be on the sea, become less and less afraid of the sea, apparently. And they were talking about how their kids um, sail. They live in a lake area. Their kids are competitive sailors. And they're, they've learned, to, they're these little sailboats. They've learned how to sail in such a way that even when their boat is flipping over, they can kind of do this thing called a dry capsize, where they basically walk over it and, and come through, like not even getting wet, which is incredible. I, mean, I can't even picture how that works. But they were saying, as the more you are on the sea, the more you learn to navigate the deep waters, that is kind of going to be the way it goes. So it's going to feel less and less risky. But there is more and more dependence and trust required in the sea chart way of living over the roadmaps way of living. So that's kind of, that has resonated with us. And that's something I think we're still chewing on. Like there's so much in that. Like there's so much with, even within that prophetic picture of, of leaving roadmaps and learning to live on the sea. And so we're trusting God is going to continue to show us what that looks like and the everyday stuff of our church community. But I wanted to kind of share that at the beginning because I think that kind of flows into this word that I, I sense from God. And so we are doing our best to uh, live a life oriented around God. And this is a journey towards abundant life. Life oriented around self is a slow march towards death. And the second idea of formation, as we last week we talked about intimacy with God, this week, I want to kind of think, think, think through formation. And what I mean by that is we're learning by God's grace, empowered by the Spirit to be human in God's kingdom. We're learning from Jesus how to be ourselves. So today, again, I'm going to try to keep this simple and brief. Last week, I was trying to give us a vision of what walking with God could look like. And today, I want to just share briefly just a word I feel like is for us. So if you guys have your Bible, let's turn to Luke chapter 5. And we'll read two, two verses here, and then I'll pray. <clears throat> verses 15 and 16. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are good, that you have invited us over and over to run into your arms this morning alone. And so may we do that as we open up the word and as we uh, want to see Jesus and we want to learn how to be like Jesus. We want to learn how to live our lives as if Jesus were living it for us. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would take um, the words that I've written down, that you'd breathe on them, or that they would minister life to those in the room this morning, that we would feel challenged, and that we would say yes to your invitation this morning. Um, yeah, I yield to you. I pray, Lord, that you would silence the enemy right now in Jesus' name, that the accuser would be uh, gone right now. And so we pray that your voice would come through, Lord, in each of our hearts and minds and spirits, and that you'd be glorified. Yeah. Yeah. Settle my own spirit, Lord, as I feel scattered. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to try to get through this quickly, guys. 
Uh, we were in Toronto this week, and it was interesting seeing how far down they dig for these humongous buildings that they're building. And we talked to Roger and Cheryl about that and just had a conversation about they have to go down at least as deep as they go up. Um, but I think what I want to talk about today is this whole idea of hiddenness. And it's really interesting when we think about Jesus' life, if we mathematically break it down, 90% of his life on earth was actually hidden. The first 30 years of his life, he was doing nothing in terms of public ministry. Even though he had the credentials and the possibilities to do all kinds of amazing things, he spent most of his life in obscurity and in hiddenness. And for the last 10% of his life, he had this incredible public ministry and displayed the kingdom on earth. So I'd say that if we think about this whole idea of hiddenness in, in the midst of our current cultural situation, it feels like everything is out public. Everything is shared. Like Instagram is full of stuff that no one needs to see that no one really cares about, but that, that whole push to live life publicly could infiltrate very easily our walk with Jesus. And so I want us to think about the example of Jesus and his hiddenness and how does that play out in our lives as disciples of Jesus. All throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus retreating. We see him going off to the secret place. We see him going up on top of a mountain. We see him just always leaving to find this hidden place with God. So this allowed him to do what he saw the Father doing. As he's pulled in a million different directions, Jesus would retreat to this hidden place to commune with the Father. And from that place, he would receive revelation. He would receive instruction. He would receive uh, affirmation and all kinds of beautiful things. Alicia Britt um, Cole wrote a beautiful book called Anonymous. And I just wanted to read this quote about this whole idea of <clears throat> hiddenness. Can you go back to the other slide there? Though unapplauded, our anonymous seasons are not even remotely unproductive. In them, God cultivates strengths that stand the test of time. The anchor of God's word, self-control, an accurate portrait of God, an unshakable identity, trust in God's timing, a disciplined imagination, an eternal perspective, submission-based authority. Those are some good things, guys. And then she goes on. Such strengths are not given, they are grown. They are fruit of active participation, not passive observation. Anonymous seasons can be the most spiritually fruitful spaces of our lives if we respect their potential and cooperate with God in their development. So I want to think about this whole idea of cultivating a secret place with God. It's not overly complicated. Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount when he's teaching, like this is what life in the kingdom looks like. When he talks about prayer, he says this. Matthew chapter 6. You can turn there if you want. Otherwise, I'll just read it for us. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all their reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private or in secret. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. So, okay, how do I develop a life of hiddenness? How do I mirror my life with God like Jesus did? It sounds like he just says, shut the door. Go, be by yourself. Talk to God. He will see you and he will reward you. So we're thinking about, okay, we're going to live life not with a roadmap. We're going to live life with a C chart. It's like, okay, set a course for the secret place. Shut your door. And so this is basically the prophetic word that I want to share to you this morning. You need to get to the secret place. 
you need to get to the secret place. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you definitely need to get to the secret place. Now tell me, Tom, you need to get to the secret place. Thank you, Lee. All right. So this is it, guys. We need to get to the secret place. If Jesus needed to, we one million gazillion percent need to. And so this is what I think this whole series, as we've been trying to just be more sensitive to God's spirit, this is what it's all about. It's like we're learning who God is. We're learning to walk by faith. We're learning our identity. But it's really this long invitation to come, hey, learn how to be with me in the secret place. Come learn how to be yourself with me. Come let me reveal myself to you. Psalm 91 verse 1 in the Amplified Version says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. You need to get to the secret place. Here's the deal. The enemy knows this and will do everything he can to keep you from the secret place. He will distract you. He will remind you of every fear you could possibly ever have had in your entire life. He will be like, hey man, do you really though? You're fine. You prayed like two weeks ago. You're probably good. Your sin from the past, your shame currently, all these things have the potential to keep you from the secret place. But you need to get to the secret place. And the good news is Jesus has done everything necessary to make that a possibility. We have an opportunity to actively choose to believe that what we celebrated, that all of our sins are actually cleansed and forgiven through what Jesus has done, that every lie that the enemy could lob at you has actually been dealt with in Jesus, that that, that isn't actually who you are anymore. All these things, we can learn, learn to actively engage with the gospel of Jesus Christ as we shut the door and as we meet with Jesus, the Father and the Spirit in the secret place. This is a way to apply all that we've been thinking about and learning about. You need to get to the secret place. And this is where the whole idea of sea charts and not roadmaps, I think, is important for us. You need to have courage to get to the secret place. Because here's, here's the, it can be really easy for me, and maybe some of you here are like, hey, dude, just give me four steps on how to do this, and I will do it. But I will not do that. I will not do that this morning. This is my charge to you. This is what I feel like God is inviting us into. Set a course for deep water. Any deep water route will get you to the secret place. So set your sails and get God's, let God's spirit carry you. Obviously avoid the shallows and the rocks and the shipwrecks that you've seen in the, in the past. But set a course for deep water. Shut your door and learn to be with God. I want to just give a, a brief example and then I'm gonna, I, wanna, I have a little challenge for us and that'll be it this morning. So, uh, Susanna Wesley, this lovely lady here, was alive a long, long time ago. And she was the mother of 10 children, um, two of whom would be John Wesley and Charles Wesley. So, John Wesley preached to 1 million people, roughly, over his lifetime. And Charles Wesley wrote over 6,600 hymns. That's a lot of dang uh, worship songs. Two of them are good, but anyways. Uh, um she was, a, she was the husband of a much disliked Anglican minister. Twice his, his, his church burned down their house because he didn't like what he was preaching. Don't get any ideas, guys. But, um, but I read this this week, and it was astounding. 
if you would have walked past her window, the, the, the house there, at a certain time of the day, you would have seen this woman with her apron pulled over her head and her 10 children all around her living life. And so picture that for a sec. You walk up to my house and Jess has her apron over her head. It's happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, in that, in that space of pulling her apron over her head, this was her secret place with God. This was her shutting the door. And for two hours, she would have her Bible open before her with her apron over her head, and she would just pray and be with God. And over time, her kids realized, hey, don't disrupt mom. She's in the secret place right now. Her apron's over her head. And I'm telling you this story because it's really beautiful, but also just because it doesn't have to be some crazy thing where you build like an altar to God or this shrine or this beautiful, it, it can be anywhere and everywhere. It can be your drive to work. It could be literally you pulling your apron over your head. But the point is focusing your attention on Jesus, allowing him to be with you. And, to, and like, it sounds like that would be like a source of, of just comfort for her, of hiddenness. Like I'm just going to hide away and be with God so much so my kids aren't even going to bug me anymore. Or I'm going to learn how to get through them bugging me in this place. So two things spoke to me there is like the creativity she had and the hunger she had for God to actually do that. She shut the door, as it were, and met with God. And so this is my challenge for us as an entire community. You need to get to the secret place. I think I've said that enough. But here's the challenge. Will you do this? Will you try to do this for at least 10 minutes every day for the next month? That's pretty doable. We have 10 minutes. Like We watch a lot of stuff on YouTube or Instagram or whatever. But how can you creatively and hopefully full of hunger for 10 minutes at least every day, get into the secret place with God for the next month. How's that sound? Doable, all right. 20 minutes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's start with 10. And I just, I, I wanna take the next month, so that would lead us into the November 20th would be that Sunday. I wanna, te- I wanna spend that entire Sunday just hearing testimonies of what God did. Okay, so today we'll start. 10 minutes every day for the next month of, of getting in the secret place with God. Don't stop when you don't hear anything, but it's, it's, a, it's learning a new rhythm. It's, it's just making the time and effort. God will honor you. He will reward you for showing up there. And I want to see what we've discovered. I want to see what God reveals to us. And that's really what it is. The challenge is you need to get in the secret place. The application is, okay, for 10 minutes every day for the next month, I'm going to do this and I want to see what God does. Cool? Let me pray for us and then we'll... Um, We'll sing a song. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you want to be with us. Lord, thank you that um, it doesn't have to be like Lee was saying earlier. We don't have to go do all these cleansing rituals at the temple. That it can literally be us pulling an apron over our head. And there you are with us, God. And so, Lord, whatever that looks like for each of us, I want to ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would empower Holy Spirit creativity and birth Holy Spirit hunger in each of us this morning, Lord. Those of us who are here and those of us in our community that aren't here, that we would long to be with you, that we would run to the secret place, that we would have stories to tell of your goodness and your beauty, that you would meet with us, God, and reveal uh, the intricacies and beauties and, and uh, incredible things that are your kingdom, Lord. So let your kingdom come and let your will be done as we Together, as a community, we set course for the deep waters of your presence. Would you lead and guide us, Lord, and would you blow our minds? 
We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. For your kingdom.